This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. Get involved with the debate by tweeting at Blue Moon Podcast and check out exclusive interviews on bluemoonpodcast.com. It's your club and this is your show. I don't know. You do one podcast questioning whether Lionel Messi would be available for Manchester City in the transfer market, and less than 24 hours later, the club's been chucked out of the Champions League for two seasons and fined £25 million. But City have come out fighting both on the pitch and off it. There was a dominant 2-0 win over West Ham on Wednesday, but also catching the eye was this. Don't talk too loud. Barcelona, my advice, don't talk too loud, because uh, everybody's involved sometimes in... In situations. That was Pep Guardiola post-match on Wednesday, while pre-match CEO Farron Soriano came out fighting as well. The allegations are not true. They're simply not true. The owner has not put money in this club that has not been properly declared. So plenty to discuss on the FFP front on this week's show. Also today we'll be looking ahead to the two tricky ties in the coming week as City travel to Leicester and Real Madrid. We'll be hearing what the mood is like in Spain ahead of the Champions League tie as well. I'm David Mooney. With me in the studio is City fan Howard Hawking. Hello. And Goal.com's Jonathan Smith. Hello. Okay, so um, let's start with the football because I want to I want to start with, uh, with, with something... <laughs> Less controversial, let's say, uh, because the overall performance I thought on uh, on Wednesday, John, was was pretty dominant. Yeah, it was like a training session, wasn't it? I mean, I, City played well. They were obviously c- coming back off the winter break, uh, looking to see how how they were affected by that, and also to get a bit of rhythm, a bit of momentum going into that Real Madrid game. And I don't think you could have asked for a more perfect ninety minutes. It wasn't it wasn't a tough run out by any means, but they got their passing game going, created enough chances I was going to say maybe yeah. a few more goals a bit more I mean, clinical yeah, yeah I think the, the one question mark on, a, on the back of it would be Gabriel Jesus could have easily had a hat-trick and ended up ended up with nothing um, but you know uh, uh, Laporte got another 60-70 minutes uh, comfortable um, but also not only that he, he settles everything down um, Rodri his passing game was obviously outstanding um, and West Ham offered absolutely nothing, so you couldn't have asked for a better 90 minutes, really. Undoubtedly, Howard, City have taken a battering this in, in the last week. I have noticed. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, how much how much did that show, do you think, on Wednesday night, in, in terms of the players, in terms of Guardiola? It's hard to say, because West Ham were so, were so bad. passive. And, yeah, and you, you know, if you hadn't... I actually came out of the game not thinking about City, but thinking... I don't often feel sorry for up away fans, but the West Ham fans have come up and watched that in a midweek for a rearranged match. I should be asking for the money back or free season tickets for five years, I think. Uh, the, the, I think from the first minute, the players were up for it. They were in te- the intensity was there, the pressing was there. So there was rustiness, but I'd expect that because they've just what is it? Uh, there's no substitute for match fitness. Okay, so, so was it, it's, it's like it's almost a fortnight off, isn't it? It feels like longer. it feels like a summer. <laughs> it feels like a new season. It's been so <laughs> long because I missed the last home game, so it's like, and now we've got five away games. So it's been so rare that I'm actually at the stadium. It, it's felt a long time, so I expect the rustiness. But I felt from the first minute, West Ham made it easy, but the City players clearly were focused on getting the job done. It, it felt like it, it was a performance of this season. It went in yeah. line with everything else that we've seen this season. Yeah, I mean, uh, 25 minutes in, I was waiting for West Ham to score from the first shot, but even that didn't happen on this occasion. So I did feel that second half, they kind of 
game managed as they do. So they weren't intent on thrashing West Ham, but the dominance was clear for all to see that the players are just were focusing on business. I, the next two games will tell us a lot more, really, of the fallout from what's happened in the last week and how determined they are and focused and defiant, really. So. Yeah, John, you mentioned that Jesus could have had a hat-trick in the game. Why... A lot of fans in the stadium were frustrated that, that City players at times weren't taking the shot on. Jesus was, was guilty of that a couple of times. I mean, is this now just a lack of confidence? I think it probably is. It's, it's strange to offer any other explanation because particularly the first one, he's, he's got so much time to just slide it in. and Clearly and onside. It, and Yeah, and he just seems to overthink the situation. And it's almost like he's had so much time that he could go through every possible way of doing it and think... and. And he just, just chose didn't the wrong pick one. one. Yeah, just didn't pick one. It's it, it's almost like that's been a symptom of City's play, though. In the last, in certainly in the last three games, you think United, Spurs, and, and West Ham. It's becoming a little bit of an issue, hasn't it? In the last couple of months, the lack of goals. Um, and I think Pep's mentioned it. Maybe that's to take take away from the defence who went through a, a long stretch of not keeping a clean sheet. Um, but it, but they've been paying the price, and if if you, if you concede one. And then at the other end, create twenty chances and, and, and don't take any of them. You know, it's just it's just you've yourselves to blame. Yeah, it's, you? it's a dire ratio, isn't it? And um, I think it, when he's when he's not quite on it, Jesus is best when he's instinctive and the you know the cross comes in, and he just puts it away or something like that. that that's where he's going to get his goals from. You know, we've seen with his penalties that it's, that he's got a moment to think about it and maybe he's a lack just of conviction. Well, he's just he, he's just feeling a little bit of the pressure. He. he, he Spoke to him after the game in uh, Atalanta where he missed a penalty, um, and he spoke in. Did, did he? Did he miss? He missed yeah. a game. Yeah, he, be- he really one. beats himself up about it. Yeah, though, he? he was. Yeah, he was, like, I, you know, he said after the game, "I want to shoot myself in the head when I miss chances like that." And you just think, just you know, just it don't matter. You know, he's 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 got he's going to end up with twenty plus goals this season. Um, Aguero's. I mean. He, he wants to put the pressure on Aguero. He wants to be considered ahead of him for big games when they, when they come round. But it's it's no disgrace to to be pushing him close and but not being able to get past him. So just go easy on yourself a bit. Think, you know, yeah. you... I think that's part of the problem. The Aguero comparison that yeah. people say saying he's got until say the end of next year season to prove himself as the. As yeah, the successor, but, yeah. But he's not. I don't think if Aguero leaves, I would assume we'll sign someone else. He's not Aguero's successor, really. He's not that sort of player. But he still has to score goals. And his stats show that he scores loads. But that doesn't, the stats, that's where stats don't tell the story. He's a bit streaky, he gets batches. You know, he's had four, I think, in a, was it a Champions League game. Or he can get, you know, cup goals galore. But we all know that. He doesn't consistently take his chances. He's not a killer in front of goals. So I don't think he's got to forget about Aguero and just... Focus you know, on himself, really. Focus on being yeah, being ruthless and in future, just if you're in front of a goal, shoot. Yeah, I mean, it's, he wasn't the only one guilty of that on uh, on Wednesday night. There was, mm. there was certainly a couple of times where City got the ball into the box low and hard sometimes, it, it found the feet of the strikers, and they're still trying to find that extra yard of space and still trying to just you know pass it once more to get that, that slightly better chance. And like you said, Howard, sometimes it's, it is just, you know, you've got a half chance, have a go. It, 
trying to score that perfect goal and it just reminds me of <laughs> Arsenal six, seven years ago. It, the thing is, we score. It shows out the system works. Pep systems do work so well because we have still scored more goals than everyone else, I think. We've created more chance. I think we've had more shots than pretty much any team in Europe. And yet we're always shouting at them. They're For not, not shooting, shooting enough. enough. It's weird, yeah. So you just imagine what the ceiling could be if they were more ruthless. I just... I don't know if... City fans think, look at other teams, think they take the chances and certainly teams who play against us take, they get one chance and score. Are we over, is it just in our minds some of this that is the truth really that every every team misses chances? I don't know. We certainly do seem to miss too many though and it's just that the wrong, I mean we broke, it's not just shots as well, I think we broke so easily, counter-attacks against West Ham so easily and often pick the wrong. I mean it's easy for me to see at the top of the south stand where the perfect pass is. It's a lot harder when you're running at, you know, with the ball at full power, obviously. But so often the key pass wasn't made. So it wasn't not just shots, it's just before the final. Just that final decision is off. But it's, as you say, it's only been the last few weeks where it's really come to the fore. Yeah, and and it, when they've been creating more chances than ever before, probably. The positive, John, was that City looked a lot more stable in defence. Lo and behold, Emmerich Laporte's there. So mm. was that simply because West Ham weren't up to doing much at that end of the pitch or was Laporte actually just managing the game really well? Um, I think it's a combination of, of those things. You know, West Ham were, were dire. Um, I think you just put Laporte, put his name on the team sheet and and the and the, the defence grows an extra inch or, or, or has an extra inch of pace just because they, they feel a little bit more secure. Um, it's just a calming influence, um, and it's, 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 I think it's as it's as simple as that at this at the moment because he's been out, he's been missing for what best part of five months, and without him, there's no doubt about it, they've struggled. And he, he came in for the game against Sheffield United. They kept a clean sheet. They played against West Ham, and they, I don't think they had one shot off target. They didn't have a shot on target, yeah. and suddenly you just think, yeah, you know what, we are quite secure. So. Just makes it, just settles everything down. How much different did Osamendi look next to him as well? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, and you would think that Osamendi probably isn't going to play against Real Madrid. You think Fernandinho is probably going to come back against? So was that think or hope? <laughs> which which one? Yeah, I think he might. I don't know. Uh, well, I don't know. I just think Fernandinho is going to now going to play these yeah. next two games. I would have thought. Yeah. I mean, against against Spurs. Um, Obviously, Laporte wasn't there. Fernandinho was just streets ahead of everyone, wasn't he? In, in terms of organising the defence and reading the game, and you know, we'll, we'll get we'll get on to Real Madrid, but they're going to have to be absolutely on it. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it was interesting as well when Stones came on. How I think I, I've got a funny feeling that was the first time they'd played together since the the Norwich debacle at, at the start of the season. It's, yeah, yeah I mean. What did you make of John Stones, Howard, in that sense? Because he's someone who, who at the moment, like Jesus, he looks like he's playing with the weight of the world on his shoulders. Mm. Yeah, he does. Uh, but he was fine in his cameo. He was fine. But this is not the true test. Is not getting what was it? Twenty five minutes, thirty minutes against West Ham. Two up against. Such, yeah, he yeah, were where they couldn't really get the ball or string two passes together. Put in a good, couple of strong tackles. Just happy to see him on the pitch get through that and us not concede. Yeah. Uh, not much more you can say really. He he's got a long road back really to. But Laporte, someone like Laporte could help him. It could be the making of him too. 
concentrate. Oh, John Stones, you know, has to concentrate on football. And I hate to say be mentally strong because I've no idea. <laughs> well, you don't know what it means. It yeah. means nothing to even get to this stage in your career. You must have been dedicated and have real mental toughness. But I do feel, you know, there is that. Laporte came back against Sheffield United and was just the don on the pitch. He was arguing, he's fighting with Sheffield United players, squaring up to them, he's aggressive. That's the sort of thing Stones, John Stones needs to believe in, that he belongs on that pitch. And he can still do it. And maybe Laporte, partnering with Laporte may help him. Yeah, could be could be certainly a vital few weeks for him, John. For John Stones? Yeah, for the end of, vital end of the season. Yeah, it's absolutely key few months because you think there's going to be changes in the summer depending on everything that happens around the club there may be changes um and it's a chance these months to say for john stones to say look i've got i've still got a future at this club everyone knows he's a you know he's an outstanding defender when he's on it he's the right age he's uh he's a homegrown player he's got everything to be a, you know everyone wants him to be a success at the club um and he just needs to come together really yeah just final point on the west ham game were you surprised that there was no fernandinho used at all or is it simply a case of what city have got coming up next um I, no i thought he uh, i guess they got they are big games coming up I and mean, Leicester's still important even if the title race is over so i, I guess he can't go with his strongest team for three games on the trot and um so maybe it's just that's taking him out for that one and someone else will be taken out for the for the game at Leicester. Obviously the news this week has been dominated by one talking point. City's Champions League ban was also a topic that dominated Pep Guardiola's post-match press conference on Wednesday. It's a sensitive issue to talk about the legal action because I am I don't know it. I'm not professional in that, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, what we can do is win the games. So we have to wait, and after when the sentence is okay, it's, and after we are going to talk about uh, the situations. But I spoke with the club, with my chairman and, 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 and my CEO, and, and I follow him. So I believe in them, so, and we're going to do it. The club has said that it has irrefutable evidence that the allegations are wrong. Have you at any stage asked to know what that evidence is, or is your truth? No, I, I'm not going. It's, it's so sensitive legal. I think is another right person to talk about that. So I, I cannot talk about. Uh, I I know a little bit the reason why, but I cannot touch more. I'm sorry. So I'm not a lawyer. So always I can say I support the club 100. percent you, and you and I'm going to be there. Sorry. You don't ask to see that evidence, or do you trust the the, the director? I trust what they told me. So and 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 that is what I can say. So, but there are two sides. One accuse the club, and the club say that is not true. And the justice give us the cl- as a club. So another opportunity to appeal to defend our position, and that is going to do. If it's possible, two questions. Uh, first one, uh, after the UEFA ban, uh, the Barcelona chairman, Jose Maria Bartomeu, expressed his support to UEFA for its work okay. with the Finnish... Excuse me, excuse me. We've covered this now. So do you have anything else about the Let's game? finish, let's finish. Doesn't matter, that's one. Uh, he expressed his support to UEFA for its uh, support uh, for, for its work with the financial fair play. Were you surprised about that? And the second question... 
Barcelona has been accused of hiring a firm to attack people from the club in the social media. You appeared to be one uh, of the people affected. Any thoughts about that? I don't know if they spy me, but if it's happened, so they know me. So it's not necessary to spy me. And in the first, if they are happy because we are suspended, so I would say to the president from Barcelona, so give us to appeal, you know. He has, he asked right now the, the, the people trust what they have done, so, and that is what we're going to do. So we believe that uh, we are right and we are going to appeal and maybe it's happened, but uh, don't talk too loud. Barcelona, my advice, don't talk too loud because uh, everybody's involved sometimes in in situations. So, but we're going to, to appeal and hopefully in the future we can we can play the Champions League against, against Barcelona. Please give us your backing patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast now john you were in that press conference um what was the atmosphere like uh well i think there was a lot of anticipation to see what pep would say uh because there was no pre-match press conference uh just circumstances meant that that didn't happen it wasn't city weren't doing weren't choosing not to do one for any reasons it was just that they'd done one pre-match for the first fixture that was rearranged so yeah, it wasn't, so it wasn't a, a conscious decision sort no of thing. they weren't obliged to do it and West so, Ham didn't do one either so yeah um, so I think I think uh, I think Pe- Pep had said privately that people knew that he'd said that he um, was going to was committed to the club but you know it's, it's interesting to say what else what, see what else he's going to say what he's going to say about that what he's going to say about the players, um, how everything's shaken down since the announcement, and um, you know, it, sometimes it's not always easy for him to be the figurehead because everyone else, you know, he's he's the one who has, has to answer these questions. And Ferran Soriano does a, the website interview. Um, other people never speak to, you know, never see them speak publicly. And Pep often has to sit there and, and field these questions and. It's not always easy for him because he just wants to talk about football and trying to be successful. Um, but it was very interesting. I thought he was he was very clear in what he was saying. He, he has no doubt that he is staying at the club. He talks about his love for how much he loves the club, and it was it was great to hear that kind of thing. And um, you know, he said the players were completely committed, um, and he's and. I guess less important, maybe from Pep's point of view, was that he said that he believed in in the club. What he'd been told by by senior people at the club about the about, about their the, position, yeah, about the judgment and and the confidence in that they believe that it they will be cleared in an independent hearing. Howard, he also clearly wanted to get that Barcelona stuff mm-hmm. off his chest because th- there's a point in there where where the press officer says, "Well, you know, that, that's it. We're, we're finished, and we're not taking any more questions on that." And Pep goes, "No, no, let let him ask." <laughs> well, the gloves are off now, <laughs> not just from our executives, but from Pep. I think speculation for me, who knows nothing about the inner workings of City, is that what probably frustrates City a bit about being done for this is they know what uh, all the clubs know what the other clubs are getting up to far more than we know or they'll know that it's a grubby sport because it's a it's the biggest sport in the world full of money 
people clubs will do what will move money around they'll do whatever they'll try and get this play there'll be agents there'll be shady stuff going on and Pep just hinted there you know to Barcelona get your own house in order you're not saints and no one is really and I just wonder if that's the feel what's fueling City behind this is that why would we why should we be the prize of world football when we're doing nothing worse than a host of other clubs do you feel and, and you know I think Pep's kind of hinting at that that come on we're no different to anyone else I was, I was going to say on that kind of front do you feel as a fan of the club that, that City have, have kind of been held up as, as everything that's wrong with football in the last week and you, and you kind of go well come on do you know what I mean, do you know what I mean? That's, that's just a that, that, that's not a conclusion you come to after this yeah that's I feel how it's been put I mean I feel like I've talked about football journalists uh, all evil this week when you're referring to th- like three or four specific people or... Like John's or head- <laughs> Well, Joey's out with him. But, <laughs> uh, but, and, uh, and headlines as well. You're taking him by a headline. It's nothing to do with a journalist writing the story. We're not talking about the whole of football journalists. A lot of people, are, you know, fans, City fans say, don't let them near the club. A lot of people writing this never go near City, I imagine. It's not as if every football journalist piles into that press conference every week <laughs> at 400 deep at the back it's like it doesn't work like that and yeah it's it's easy to to say the whole thing you know it, it's felt that way because you're on a social media bubble that city the way some things have been reported is that this grubby club and it's and then of course some of the coverage has gone on to the fans for defending the club and it's just snowballing as it's got a life of its own in a way and I don't honestly feel if Arsenal had done something like this, I wouldn't even read the article. That's my honest opinion. I I love the owners because of what they've given me my memories the last ten years. But besides that, I don't have particularly deep feelings for Sheikh Mansour, Ferran Soriano, who I've never met Cheeky or anyone else who may work at the club that I don't know. And if they've done wrong, I'm not going to blindly defend them. But it does feel like City have been picked out this week. But if you even say that on social media, then you're just again paranoid, tinfoil wear, hat wearing. You know, you're just another fan who's blindly defending the club, whatever they do. Yeah. But I truly don't feel that this is the worst thing in the world that City have done, that the UEFA said they'd done and found them guilty. And of course, it is open to appeal. If they lose the appeal, there's much more rights for journalists to say. City have done wrong yeah. and City and I will criticise them as well because they've rolled the die by appealing and taking it as far and if they don't win that appeal they deserve to be criticised just for handling this the wrong way and tainting the reputation of the club forever Well let's let's have a listen to this, ahead of the game uh, the Chief Executive Ferran Soriano gave an interview to City's in-house media uh, refuting the allegations ahead of an appeal I think the club has to say something about this it has to say it for ourselves for our stakeholders for the fans and for the whole Manchester City family around the world. However, we have to be careful, we have to be respectful, as we have been, of this process. The process continues. I wish I could say more. I wish I could have been speaking five minutes after this was announced. But I did have to take legal advice of what can and cannot be shared. But I do hope that I will be able to share enough to understand where we are and where we're going. City have been found guilty in the financial fair play chamber of financial wrongdoing and non-cooperation. How do you answer those two charges? The most important thing I have to say today 
is that the allegations are not true. They're simply not true. And in terms of the owner putting his own money into the football club via sponsorships? The owner has not put money in this club that has not been de properly declared. We are a sustainable football club. We are profitable. We don't have debt. Our accounts have been scrutinized many times by auditors, by regulators, by investors, and this is perfectly clear. And in terms of the non-cooperation, what didn't we cooperate with? Well, we did cooperate with this process. We delivered a long list of documents and support that we believe is irrefutable evidence that the claims are not true. And it was hard because we did this in the context of information being leaked to the media, in the context of feeling that at every step of the way, every engagement we had, we felt that we were considered guilty before anything was even discussed. But at the end, you know, this is an internal process that has been initiated and then prosecuted and then judged by this uh, FFP chamber at, at UEFA. The club was very aggressive in its statement, calling it a, a prejudice process when we posted it on Friday, and that was kind of a, a new tone for us. Why was that? Well, this was our experience. This is the way we felt all the way through this process. Of course, a lot of people come now and say, what were you expecting? This is the way it works. You should have expected a negative outcome, the way the system is designed. But we, we didn't believe that. We worked very hard. We provided all kind of evidence, but at the end, this FFP investigatory chamber relied uh, more on out-of-context stolen emails than all the other evidence that we provided on what actually happened. And I think it's normal that we feel like we feel, ultimately, based on our experience and our perception. This seems to be less about justice and more about politics. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Facebook.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. So John, Ferran Soriano there was he was pretty clear in his denial of, of, of the allegations. Um it's a it's quite a ballsy move this. Uh well the thing is we don't we don't know the details of exactly what's going on. Uh, in you know in in terms of the evidence or you know what the defence is. Yeah, so. but basically, this, this isn't City's defence being, oh, UEFA have got us on a technicality. This is City saying, we haven't done anything wrong. Yeah. But all I'm saying is, we, we, we can't sit in judgment as, you know, like, oh, that's a brave decision, or, or mm. we don't know whether that's completely true or whether he's, you know, it's, it's all out bluff or no idea. Um, it, it comes across as exceptionally confident that they're going to be cleared. Um, so, if it's a bluff, it's <laughs> a stupid thing to do. I mean, they just seem so confident, don't they? I mean, we just, as John said, we don't know. We just haven't seen the documents. You can't say they're a disgrace or we've done nothing wrong. All you can say is it's gone to appeal. The confidence doesn't give me confidence because we're so in the darkness and City can't reveal everything because it's a legal matter. But they are still, it just feels like a gamble still in a way, but because even if you're so confident in something that you've done no wrong, does it mean that 
in that tribunal or whatever hearing that, that that's what it we will found. fall your way. Yeah. yeah, you may truly believe that. You may think you've got stacks of evidence that absolutely prove it, but you know, a kind of court case, you just cannot say. So it did feel like John in that interview though that that. It was almost as if Soriano, Soriano was was throwing a bone to you, Wafer, and, and saying, "Look, you know, we're willing to work with you on this." That's been the the, the strange thing about the whole thing is that, that that it's gone so far because you would think at some point there there'd be some sort of I don't know a dialogue at least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe it suits you, Wafer, this because Wafer is it has been tainted badly in recent years, and and all of a sudden. They're the good guys in all this, and <laughs> um, it's just a contrary position to to what we think of of them. You know, Platini's gone, and um, there's been various wow. in, incidents, and there's all this talk about super leagues, and it's very much a, a, a money driven uh, organisation. So, to, for them to take the moral high ground is a, is a little bit <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. doesn't sit that well. Does no. It? But as a journalist, do you find it weird that other journalists have taken out? Is it just open season on on City because they've never really liked the way they've become successful and made money? On? I, well, I can't can't really speak for. No, I don't for want other, to put you in a position <laughs> for other people. Um, I mean, they've been. It's, it's a pretty extraordinary situation, isn't it? I think we have to say that that the champions of England have been banned from the Champions League for two two years and. It's an unprecedented uh, position, so I think I think it's right that it's a, a big talking point. Um, so yeah, yeah. Howard, do you accept the criticism that Soriano did an interview with City's in-house media and didn't front up to the open media? Nope. <laughs> do as he said, he can't. No, well, he can do what he wants. He's not. I'm sorry, but journalists don't have a right to quiz him on this. So I feel this might have been him actually acknowledging that the fans are getting it in the neck and that he has to say something. But he can't say that much anyway. So what could he have done? If he'd had it with journalists, it would probably have been hand-picked, friendly ones that would have been... You know, he's not going to just invite the ones that could say City most into grilling because he can't say that much anyway. The bottom line is, I don't care if some journalists are upset with it. He doesn't have to do anything. He can do whatever he wants. He's not... He's not their employee. He's not, you know, they don't. He doesn't exist, or the club doesn't exist for their benefit. So if they don't like it, tough is basically my line on that. So I say because he can't say much. I don't. Would it really have achieved much if he achieved had anything else? Anything yeah. else? All he had to say, kind of like a set statement, is just saying, "Look, is really for the fans." I think it was for for the fans, or just putting it out there and to show. As John hinted at earlier, that or I think you mentioned, just to put to bed the illusion, and it might not be illusion; it might be true that they're going to war with UEFA. I think you wanted to cover that point, yeah. and they may still be going to war with UEFA, but, but if they're doing he, it, they're he behind want, closed doors. He doesn't want it portrayed that way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we did an FFP special last Saturday on uh, the Blue Moon podcast. Um, if you if you want to have a listen to it, you can uh, go back on your feed. It'll be the last show on there. Uh, here's a flavour of what was said on that. Try not to get emotionally invested in millionaires arguing with millionaires. It's just, um, you know, it's one of those things that's slightly out of our control. But 
my sympathies more come towards the players, I guess. You, you know how much it means to some players that they obviously really want to win the Champions League. And, and obviously, it isn't great for the fans either. Um, but the vast majority have, have been you know, through much worse than this and um, wouldn't have to get through it. We didn't sign up for football to, to get involved in all this stuff. And I had people texting me all, all evening last night saying, oh, what do you think about this? How do you feel about this? And I felt like releasing like an official statement at one point, just so I wouldn't have to field any of these text messages anymore because I was just, I'm just fed up with it already, to be honest. Nowadays, the first thing you do is go onto Twitter and see the fallout from any type of breaking news. And the tribalism on there did not surprise me one bit. You've got City fans clamouring for information about what it might mean for us and you've got rival fans hitting the memes straight away so that's 21st century breaking news for you. I would miss the chance to win that trophy, the chance to maybe show up a few naysayers because it's got to the point now where you kind of want to win it just to stop people doubting the team because you feel a little bit hard done by and I'm not one for sulking but you, do, you can't help it sometimes so you do want the players to have a chance to win it. Are players now going to want to leave? Is Kevin De Bruyne going to be able to say I can, he can go two years of his career without Champions League football or is he going to ask to leave this summer if, if that is the case? Um, is the manager going to want to leave? Are we going to have problems attracting players now? The timing's just not great for us. We were, in, we were due to go into a rebuild phase anyway. We knew we had to replace company. We needed another centre-back. Probably uh, we need to be looking at Aguero's replacement and that task has just got a whole lot harder in attracting the elite footballers who want to be in that competition. So the timing, not great at all. I'm sure that there have rules have been bent, if not broken, and if they are guilty of, of what they've been accused of, then you know they should be punished by, by rights. I also feel that probably this sort of thing is going on all the time in football, and if we looked into everyone's emails, hacked into everyone's emails, then we'd find you know stuff like this going on all the time. So I can understand why the, the club feel a little bit hard done by. If the club are going to get overturned, I think they're going to have to be aggressive. I think it's about to get really, really serious from City side to the point where I think they're probably not going to play nice anymore. And it's probably necessary because I don't think that the approach that we have tried, don't think it's worked. A friend of mine was uh, contacting me last night and said, uh, oh, how, how do you feel about all this, uh, this success that City have had, that, that they, they got it by cheating? And I said, well, cheating's a very strong word, isn't it? I think he was just trying to wind me up, to be honest. But I said, cheating's a very strong word, isn't it? And he said, oh, it's, it's just like um, Lance Armstrong, you know, drug, drug doping kind of thing. It's not, though, is it? It's completely different. And I, I bet if you ask, you know, 80-90% of, of football fans, what have City actually done wrong here? They wouldn't be able to tell you. It's just ridiculous that the thing that financial fair play was brought in to stop teams having a monopoly, I wouldn't say four titles in however many years is, is a monopoly. I think it's been good for English football that we were able to sit at the top table. And I just think for all that to be have an asterisk next to it in years to come would be a bit of a shame. Hiya, this is Guillem Balaguer and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. Hear all of our city interviews on our website, bluemoonpodcast.com. So now I think the ultimate kind of the end of this discussion comes from uh, how are you feeling about it now, John? What, what's, what's your gut instinct about where this goes? Is, is, there gonna be, is this going to go on and on and on or are we going to get any sort of conclusion soon? Um... No, I think it's going to drag on for for several months. Um, I mean, they're talking about a decision. I think Ferran said in that video that that they hope to get one in the summer. So you know, we're talking about three, three, four months. I think from the from a fo- footballing point of view, I think we saw in the, in the game against West Ham that the players will put it to the back of their minds and will, you know, the, the, the professionals and they 
it's, it's strange, but they just want to play football. They just want to win matches. So they're not going to be too affected by this. Anything that's for the long-term future will be, be, be taken care of by other people. So from a footballing point of view, I don't think it'll have too much impact on the, on the club until May. And then, then it's all on the decision. But there will be, yeah, it depends which way it goes, doesn't it? And the implications, if it, if it's anything other than a, a sort of city being cleared and no suspension, no fines, the implications could be big and they could rumble on for years. However this ends, Howard, do you see a situation where the relationship between city fans and UEFA ever gets any better? No, it wasn't great. Anyway, it wasn't was great it? and then this happened. And who ca- yeah, again, who cares the the relationship between the fans and the Governing body is not really. A, but it, uh, what it what it impacts on is if City are out of the Champions League for two years, if they're out of it for one year on appeal, if they're out, if they're not out of it at all, mm. come what may, it's going to be almost damn near impossible to get the fans to buy into this competition now. Yeah, I was always of the opinion they need to win it for us to be to get into it, and they're not in it. They're not winning it, and you know they could win it this season. But let, let, bizarrely, we're still the favourites. I think, but. I wouldn't have certainly not put on money on us winning uh, the competition this season. So it's problematic because the club kind of needs it for its global image or the owners, you know, what the owner, I should say, wants it. Pep, you know, it'd be brilliant for Pep because he gets criticism for not doing it. And booing the anthem doesn't really help the players anymore, even though I understand it. And there's a host of other European teams who have had anti-UEFA banners up this week, even tonight. Frankfurt, I think, and Copenhagen last night. So if you think it's just City fans booing an anthem, it's not. I've heard it at the new Camp. So they're not alone in doing this, but there is a long way to come back for City fans to embrace this tournament, yeah. Because think about it. If City were 10 points clear at the top of the Premier League now, but out of the... the, the you know, if we'd gone out in the group stage... Would we be calling this season an absolute disaster? Well, a lot on the mar because we've not, we're not going to win we're the Premier League. We're not close to Liverpool. Yeah. So it just shows that for many, the Premier League is still the one that fans would judge the manager and the players on, not a cup competition. So, yeah, it is, it's broken at the moment, that relationship. So the home leg will be interesting. <laughs> Time to look ahead now to two, I think, fairly tough games for this week. Um, how do you think City are playing going into these two, John? Well, <laughs> they, they wanted momentum and then they've had a winter break and a, a difficult game against West Ham, I thought. Difficult as in kind of too patchy. easy? Well, patchy. They didn't really... It felt like they never really yeah. got going. Maybe it was the missed chances, I don't know. Yeah, but it just maybe it's sort of going through the gears and they'll just make another step up against Leicester and then really go for it against Madrid. I think there's... As much as we're we're talking about the Champions League and the relationship City have got with the, with that competition, it's, it this season it represents the the big one now, doesn't it? Between now and, and May, so they yeah, I think they're revving up towards that. So um, how how are they playing at the moment? Well, patchy before the winter break. The winter break lasted quite a long time, but I think it's to their advantage that West Ham game came on the Wednesday before and it was postponed from a player's point of view. Obviously, not for many fans, it wasn't great. Howard, it's we talked about Laporte earlier on. Um, do you see him getting a little bit more time against Leicester and then playing the full game against Madrid? 
No idea. <laughs> Depends if he's felt anything after the game. If he's not, I would expect him another hour again. So, But as John alluded to earlier, these two games are preparation for Real Madrid, but I don't know what Pep's thinking. I don't know if he's... Nobody, knows, to, nobody knows what Pep... I, I don't, well, if, I don't, I don't yeah. expect to know what Pep's thinking, to be inside honest. Inside that mind would just be... yeah. Uh, crazy things going on inside there but I don't know if he wants every player to get some game time or he wants some to get more than others he's obviously everything's about Real Madrid in a way obviously Leicester's a big match but surprise me we're actually four points ahead of them in the league now so we'll be second at the end of the weekend come what may uh, and if it, we end third in, it's disappointing but it doesn't really change anything apart from how much more money we get from the Premier League especially if they can't get into the Champions League next no, season that doesn't really matter does it and the 20 point deduction that's coming <laughs> obviously so it might keep us up uh, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know what he's thinking I, he will be looking to get he'll probably know what his team is for Real Madrid pretty much I would think by now so it's him getting them match fit. In a weird way, you're quite pleased that it's a tough game before Madrid. Yeah, I think so. I think West Ham getting back into it, followed by Leicester away, is quite a nice lead up to the match. But we only look at City in this, you know, about Real Madrid have their own issues that they drew it over to Salto Vigo, although they are near the top of the table, but they've dropped plenty of points. Probably their point ratio is the same as City, but they're not in the same league as someone who's only dropped two points all season. Who's, who's got 103 yeah, exactly. points from the last 105. Yeah, yeah. Leicester doing all right, but not on brilliant form. So it's the, it's not just about it. They're playing, they're interesting games, basically, but it works both ways that, you know, Real Madrid themselves will have things to think about leading up to the match. So. Yeah, I mean, looking at the Premier League picture, uh, John, it, it's weird to say that Guardiola might rest players for the Premier League in order to save them for Madrid because he doesn't really do that, does he? No, he doesn't. Um, so I think he's I think he's probably got in his mind seven or eight players who will be starting at the Bernabeu. Um, Sterling is is a maybe. Will he be fit? Well, that's that's what I mean. He's who knows at the moment. He's 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 back in light training, so it's going to be. It's going to be right up until the the day, probably. Decision um, made like on the morning. Yeah, um, and then you think, you know, if it's not him on the left, who is it? Maybe Bernardo. Maybe you know, Mares on the right. So, um, maybe left backs a question mark. Mendy looks I solid. Mendy looked quite good against West Ham. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I don't know. Maybe is it going? I guess Rodri plays in the centre. Defensive midfield, doesn't he? And I think he'll go with David Silva in in the Bernabeu. So, so maybe David Silva doesn't play this weekend. He's rested, and Mares, Fernandinho come back in to get themselves really fired up for it. In terms of um, the momentum, though, Howard, does City have to win a, a weekend to, to to really make that happen, or is it just more about getting a good performance no. under the belt? Yeah, a good performance. I think. Well, they want rhythm. You know, as you say, the eight players, nine players that you know are going to start. It's just getting a rhythm together and uh, getting used to playing each other. The thing with Pep is he never plays the same side twice in a row, so you just wonder if Leicester will tell us that much or if some players have got more game time in him. I mean, Mendy, can we assume now that he can play three games a week? Are we just? Is he now not a, a player coming off an injury, but someone... You know, I don't know. He may be rested with the Bernabeu in mind because they don't want him putting through that much especially after break. So, no, the result... It's Teams have won the European Cup without... 
I think Real Madrid have only won the league three times. I hope that's not a horribly wrong stat. <laughs> of that, in the 13 times they've won the European Cup, the European Cup doesn't often relate to league form or anything like that. Well, look yeah, at, just I look mean, at Spurs look, last year. Look at year. Liverpool, Chelsea. The, the, yeah. It's... Often the team that wins it didn't even win their only the previous season, nor do they win it the season. That they win the They win cup. the cup. So, obviously, it helps City to play well against Leicester, but it's not the be-all and end-all. It's just about just getting rhythm and momentum. It's like, you know, it's like England in a in a, a finals it can start bad, but it's getting momentum just at the right time that they go into that match, knowing what they need to do and focused. Yeah. Given all that FFP stuff we've talked about, John, how do you see the mood for this game? Not necessarily among the players, because like you said before, they'll they'll probably just have the they got to win this game hat on, but certainly the fans. The, the Leicester game, uh, the Madrid game. Um, oh, I think they'll be up for it. It's a way first as well. So, um, well, yeah. Away games in Spain can be trouble problems for for away fans. The, the the police has been plenty of incidents and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's I think once they're inside the ground, they get shoved in the in the corner as well at the Bernabeu. So they'll once they've been through all that, they'll be well up for it. I think completely up for it. And and the most important thing is to keep it bubbling for the for the return game at the Etihad because if it's alive. Then you know it could be. So you've got a chance. Well, it, but the atmosphere could be. You know, it could be everything that could. It could, you could be. You're thinking about those, the games against Hamburg and those sort of games f- for that. Um, so the, the key thing is to yeah, stay in it. Yeah, I mean previous visits to the Bernabeu as well. Howard, you think of of Pellegrini's visit there wasn't that great. It was uh, City needed a goal and they'd, they'd be in the European Cup final and they just it never really got out of second gear. Um, but you think of like Mancini's <laughs> Mancini's visit there was actually a really really good game. City were battered for ninety minutes, but almost stole a game. So that, so the three two? that was the three two. And, and up, yeah, yeah. And you just think like this has actually it's got the makings of a really good game. This one, yeah. I mean, it's the knockout stage, so it's that most of the fans' problems with the competition is not just UEFA. It's like it's before the group Christmas. stages yeah. are boring, uh, especially for top seed. And I mean, they weren't seven eight years ago. City struggled to get through, but. We kind of know a lot. You know, I don't just say City's group. A lot of the group stages are boring. The the favourites tend to get through, but it's been an impressive. It's an exciting draw across the round. I think for round of sixteen, and this is a huge match. It, I can't see it being some. The problem with two legs is it can be cautious in the first leg, for both teams. We've had, we've had that. We've the had home team City doesn't doing... want to concede an away goal. The away team doesn't want to lose because. They think even maybe a nil-nil. So we saw that in the semi-final against Madrid with Pellegrini. It was a nil-nil first leg, and now I was happy with that. It was a good result for City. It was a pretty boring game, I think, but I thought they didn't score. The problem was that the approach in the second leg was a disgrace, especially the last half hour when City had nothing to lose but to go for it and didn't. But it could be anything because it's two legs and it's... a. When you get two big teams, it could be a classic, or it could be, you know, like a chess, yeah, you know, chess game really, where they're just no one wants to give too much away. Yeah, I mean, I I think of I, Guardiola's played it two ways in kind of the knockout stages of the Champions League recently. You think of that Spurs game last season where he was ultra cautious in the first leg and it didn't yeah. pay off, and the first leg at Anfield where just it was just chaos for, for half an hour. 
I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if he went with the with chaos. No, with the <laughs> um, with the tactic that uh, they played against Old Trafford and no strikers. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Aguero starts against Leicester and then he's on the bench uh, because they, it was it was just such a brilliant system that United couldn't cope with, and it's probably something that Real Madrid will, will have won't have come across a, a team that can play that system so well. Um, and they've got the energy and they've got, they've got everything to make, you know, to cause them problems. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's the the advantage of that is that you can you can you can switch between the two, between cautious and attacking, uh, even though you've got no striker. Because, well, yeah, I mean, they, you saw in that first half against United, they absolutely battered, pummeled them, didn't they? I mean, Howard, what are you what are you expecting? Caution or chaos? I think it starts caution. Finishes chaos. <laughs> well, th- that's it. The game can change and go through different phases, and I think. I don't want it to be chaos, to be honest, because somehow we'll give a penalty away and have a player sent off. <laughs> and, yeah, because just well, what Real Madrid have as City Doubt is now in this competition, and I can guarantee that over the two legs we will have a player sent off and concede at least one penalty. <laughs> so what's a good uh, result then in the, in the Bernabeu? A draw. Is a, if or, a draw or a win. Or even a nil-nil. And I know a nil-nil is dangerous, but you know it means we have to win the home leg and... That is entirely plausible. So, a score draw is obviously better, uh, but avoiding defeat. It, this city could win there. They could lose there. They could draw there. It's so hard to to predict this one. I think the favourites to go through over two legs, but it's still Real Madrid. Uh, they've been hit by a bug today, so maybe they'll only. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. This is what happens when you dare. Criticise City. <laughs> a bug sweeps through the camp. And, uh, and PSG's uh, UEFA committee member is indicted on charges. It's all so, falling apart across yeah, Europe, it's isn't all, it? Yeah. It's all coming together for City now. So I don't, I don't know. I, I think it will be quite cut because it's two legs. I think at least the first half will be teams just trying to prod at each other Tight. and see what happens. Yeah. yeah. The second half, I think of. Uh, was it Dortmund against PSG the other night? I thought it was going to be a classic at half-time. I was like, God, this is bad. <laughs> uh, well, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't what I'd hoped for, which often the ones you think are going to be classics aren't. But the second half then just, just completely took, took, a took life of off. Its own, yeah, yeah. Yeah. John, I, mean, that, it, I could see it going that way, to be honest. Yeah. John, good good result for you. What what do they need to come away with, bare minimum? Um, I, bare minimum, I would say, would be a one-goal deficit. Um, I think the, the, the problem is, is in under Pep... The problem in, in Europe has been conceding goals at home. You think three goals against Monaco, uh, was it four against Spurs? Uh, three, no, three three, three against yeah. Spurs, four overall, wasn't it? Yeah, three three at home against Spurs, three at home against Monaco, two against Basel, one against Liverpool. Yeah, um, you know if if you think of that United um, League Cup, you know they were so comfortable after that first. First game, you think if they won three one against Real Madrid, you think, oh crikey, this could get a bit nervy at home. <laughs> um, so I think maybe a defeat might be the. No, I don't mean that. Um, <laughs> I it's, City are, are are there are in that position now where everything is complete unknown quantity yeah, at the moment. Everything's yeah. up for grabs. Right. Well, no wins on the charity bet for that delayed match with West Ham, so we stay on £665. We're raising money for the Christie, a cancer hospital in Manchester with William Hill by making predictions on City's games with a £10 correct score single on each. Uh, first up is Leicester. Howard, what are you, what are you having for Leicester? 
Two all. Could be an entertaining game is what I'm going for. Uh, that's 11 to 1 and uh, £110 if you're right. And then for Madrid, you've gone for? I went for one all. Uh, one all is uh, 11 to 2, so £55 if you're right. John, what are you having for Leicester? 1-1. Uh, 1-1 one, one. Uh, one, one is 13 to 2, so 65 quid. And then Madrid? A 2-1 defeat. 2-1 defeat uh, is 17 to 2 and 85 pounds if you're right. Um I'm being Mr. Pessimism this week because I think because but my scores have been taken for both of these games. So I thought well let's at least try and win some money if uh, on some realistic results. Uh, so I'm going to say Leicester 2-1 win and uh, City have a narrow defeat there uh, which is 14 to 1 and 140 pounds if I'm right. Mm. And then I, I I honestly I'm really worried by uh, City's defense in Madrid and I've gone for a 3-1 defeat uh, in the Bernabeu which is uh, 16 to 1 and 160 pounds which at least if I'm right on that then I've raised 300 quid for the Christie so uh, I've lost a lot of listeners well yeah every cloud yeah you've got to be 18 or over to gamble prices can change please gamble responsibly for more on responsible gambling check out begambleaware.org Now that's how we're feeling about this Champions League tie, but what are people saying over in the Spanish capital? Sam Roscoe has been there and he's spoken to football journalist Rodrigo Marcel. We should say that this interview was done before the news of City's ban came through, so that's why it's not mentioned once. Real Madrid once always the Champions League is the trophy they always decide once, but the lack of titles in, in Spain in La Liga, because I think in the last decade Real Madrid won just two titles, two or three. And it's focused on that. And if Real Madrid win the league, the season is, is enough. But obviously, when you face Pep Guardiola in front, depends if Barcelona uh, gets the title. It's really tough Barcelona with the performance now and sack the manager. But I think Real Madrid is focused this year more in La Liga. Yeah. When the draw was made for the champions and Manchester City came out, what was the reaction in Madrid? The reaction was uh, Guardiola, 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 Guardiola all the time. Uh, but obviously the reaction is uh, Manchester City needs more the European Cup like Real Madrid because Manchester City has spent so big money and it's the same with Man- uh, Paris Saint-Germain. And the season now for Manchester City is more important the game than Real Madrid uh, because Real Madrid was champion three times in a row in the last five years. So I think it's focused on, on Guardiola. It's more a victory against Guardiola than a victory against Man City. No? Is it just because he's a Barcelona legend? Is it because it's you know he's returning uh, to? I think also because of political moment. Uh, but uh, Guardiola is, is always saying is, is okay to the independence of Catalonia. Also, uh, he hasn't any problem to talk about that. And obviously, it's like um, a battle, maybe uh, against not just the men, so not just the ideology. No? And I think it's, that's that's because it's not just a, a football game. It's also more than that. No? Um, looking at the, the Madrid team and looking at the Manchester City team, where can where do you think Real Madrid can hurt City? Well, I think it's um, in, in in that moment, in this moment, I think the big problem for for Man City and Madrid now is it is the defense. No, the big problem for Real Madrid is to produce goals, and the, the big problem for, for Manchester City is to receive goals. So. Uh, how 
Real Madrid can uh, recover from that. And I think it's the key could be uh, the Hazard recovered from that game. It's strange because uh, Man City needs to play a game in Premier League, but they know Premier League is, is, is over. So how Manchester City can rotate players? Madrid no, because Madrid is focused on La Liga. Could be interesting to see how Zidane uh, put the lineup uh, before the game in Manchester City. All all the key players or not? No. Are Real Madrid fans confident to be, of beating City? More Real Madrid confidence now after the the bad season of uh, the last season was one of the the, the the worst season in the history of Real Madrid was horrible but I think now uh, people is uh, with um, is optimistic because of the the last games I think the um, against Valencia in in Super Cup against Barcelona they can know I think the performance were really good but depends on the goal people in Madrid worry about <clears throat> the lack of goal I think it's the main objective to if you, if you can play really good games but the lack of goal of Jovic and, and the others is, is the main uh, people worry about it. Get involved with the debate on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast That's the panel time now so uh, get your questions in for next week Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast is probably the best way to do it you can also email us through bluemoonpodcast.com as well uh, Michelle Carter's been in touch on the emails to ask what do you think of Arsene Wenger's proposals to change the offside law for VAR so that if any part of the body you can play the ball with is level then the attacker is onside um, Absolute rubbish As uh, Yeah it's just point. I just just get rid of VAR. Just uh, I know it's boring, but if it give it to the linesman and if it's level, then it's level, and it doesn't matter about inches and centimeters and daylight and stuff like that. It's just just play football and just I'm sick of sick of being at football matches where you see a goal and you think right that one isn't going to be ruled out for VAR, and then two minutes later it is, and you've you have to draw graphs on still images graphs yeah. and stuff like that, and it's just I've had enough of it. How are you? Are you broadly in favour of this proposal? God no, no, it's <laughs> abomination. <laughs> <laughs> I said that in the pub last night. No one agrees with me, which surprises me. Well, I just think uh, it goes against the whole idea of why offside exists in the first place, which is to so that the the attacker does not have an advantage, and now the advantage they would have is huge. It requires, I mean, part of the bodies could be yards ahead of defender, but if they've just got one stretched leg, then they're onside. It's going to change entirely how defenders defend, like from open play to free set pieces to everything. Linesmen, it was, they're going to have to relearn the job because of how they look at players. Well, I was going to say, how do you spot it in in real time? Yeah, as, as, a, as a linesman, you, somebody could look a good two tough. yards offside, but be onside. Tough. It's going to be very tough to do it. I just, I don't think it's fair. It's just, is I don't know why he thinks this is a good idea, and it could come in at Euros as well, which is a bizarre time to introduce it in a a major tournament finals. I think it's terrible. Uh, we're stuck with VAR, so <laughs> I mean we can, it's, it's, yeah, we can demand it goes all we want. It isn't, but and it's subjective on that. 
there will still be a line with this new rule. There'll still be millimetres decisions to be made when someone has got the toe you know, behind a defender or ahead of it. So it doesn't change anything about manual yeah, decisions. Now, but now you can be onside by an armpit. Yeah. Or, well, more like to be a heel. <laughs> or maybe, uh, I don't... I just I don't understand it. It's just unfair on defenders, and it's subjective on what the right reason is. But all the problems with VAR, I don't think offside's the main one because there's a TV technicians tell you there's an element of error. Just put that into the offside and say you have to be 15 centimeters because the technology has that margin of error on it, and just keep it as it is. And ultimately, as well, I mean, the offside thing, the penalty thing baffles me because we won't use VAR to judge whether a keeper's off his line or not for a penalty. Because I think the line, I think the line that was used at the start of the season was that's too marginal. And yet, you look at what's happened with offsides. Yeah, the one this the thing you can bring VAR in for is black and white decisions, which I guess offside is. Offside is, um, and then I think that's the only other thing that is. <laughs> and they decided that it's. It, I think in the, I was trying to think of the wording of it. It has to be clear and obviously off the line or something like that. And uh, what's that mean? Well, either it is or it isn't. I exactly. mean, cricket uses it for no balls. It's like either the bowler's foot is over the line or, or it it's isn't. Not, yeah. <laughs> it's quite simple. It's one or the other. So. Yeah, cricket for our American listeners is like baseball, but a bit better. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> over a much longer period, most of the time. Yes, right. So, well, that's it for this week's show. And judging by how things have gone for us recently, you can guarantee that everything in this week's episode will be out of date by this time tomorrow. <laughs> the only interesting thing will be what it is that's blindsided us this week. So tune in next week for another episode of We Can't Keep Up With All Of The News At Once. If you've enjoyed this week's show, then please give it a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to support the show further, then you can check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. Now, we know there's been a few people who back at the $5 a month level that have stopped getting the bonus show. If that does apply to you, then you need to log into Patreon and on the rewards page select the $5 a month option. There's been a slight change in how Patreon delivers the show to you and your feed will update with all of the missing episodes by ticking that box. So uh, log in and do that now if you've uh, if you've been missing some of the bonus shows. Uh, if you're back at any other level $2 or $10 a month then that shouldn't apply to you. A uh, special thanks to my two guests this week, Howard Hawking. Pleasure as always. And Jonathan Smith. Thank you. I'll be back next week. Join me then. was the blue moon podcast please support the show patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast